I'm Amanda. And I'm Beth. And this is Life's a Lot. This podcast grew out of friendship and a mutual desire for transparent community. We learned over the past couple years the importance of talking about our Life's a Lot moments. We just know that opening up about these moments will help break down barriers and build community that's key to a healthier human existence. We want this to be a safe space where people can share their struggles and their triumphs and help us all feel a little less alone. We hope you enjoy. Love you. Bye. Today we're talking to Jeremy Blaramy from Nashville, Tennessee. Where are you guys from? I'm from Atlanta. Mm. What about I'm you from guys? Illinois. Oh, okay. But I've moved around a lot. <clears throat> My parents were pastors growing up, so. Damn. Tell me about that. Oof. It was a wild ride. You go, oof. <laughs> oof. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> both of our dads were pastors, just <sighs> different denominations. Yeah. What denomination? Uh, mine was Nazarene. Mine was Baptist. Yeah. Oh God. Oh know. God. Oh God. Pretty conservative <laughs> all around there. No, uh, you have no idea. I was born and raised Pentecostal. Oh, oh my gosh. I was in boarding school at a Pentecostal boarding school and they told me I was going to hell all the time. Right. What do you So want? you can I only imagine you to be louder. You can only imagine all the shit that I'm the the trauma that I'm carrying with me. Every oh day. no, like I did oh, you no. like at your <laughs> church did, were you raised Southern Pentecostal? Yeah. Okay, so oh. at your church, uh, did you like have people speak in tongues and stuff like that? Yeah. That speak stuff traumatized the shit out of me. Out in the floor. Yeah, it's yeah, well, like getting drunk in the spirit. Yeah, but if you're raised in it, it was normal, and you don't think about it. I was raised Baptist, and I went there for 15 months, and we were forced to go to church like four times a week. Yeah. And we like had to watch these people on Sunday nights like fall out in the spirit when he touched them, and it was like. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. I went to a church like that maybe once or twice. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it was wild kind of, but like, it was also like not that far off from like the normal weirdness that I was used to of like, really? you know, like praying at the altar and like crying and weeping because the Lord is like speaking to you and things like that. Never had I that experience in church. It just depends because I, I, we moved every couple years to different churches. So I got a lot of different experiences yeah, in totally. a lot of different small churches kind of and all they around. were all Nazarene, right? But they were all, all Nazarene. Yeah. Like sectors of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Same with like, Pentecostal church. Like we all believed in the same thing. Like the whole Pentecostal religion is based off of the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And there's a scripture in Acts. The says, flaming tongues. Acts, uh, wait, what? Oh, the flaming tongues part? I don't know. We, we, our whole religion was based off of, I say our, as in, as still mine. Yours. But the whole, <clears throat> well, that's the thing. It's still a part of me for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but um, the whole religion is based off of Acts 2.38. It was the scripture... The, the verse is uh, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And so basically, they believe that you can't go to heaven. What that scripture is basically saying is like, you have to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus, as if it fucking matters what name you're baptized. Some people baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right. That's what um, I was baptized under. Yeah, well, we believed that you were going to go to hell because of that. Because yeah. you were baptized on the name of, name yeah. of And we also believe that you have to speak in tongues. And it has to be in that order. Like, you have to repent first, mm. be baptized, then speak in tongues. And or else you're, you're going to burn the lake of fire. Sure, sure. 
and um it's rightfully crazy so. like it it's get so wild right. like what is it i said rightfully so get the order right yeah yeah you <laughs> order right it only Hello. makes common sense <laughs> one yeah, two it, three four <laughs> <laughs> it ain't rocket science yeah uh, how has that affected your adulthood like how did you get out of that mindset um or were you never really in that mindset growing up okay so uh I was never really in it. Like I always, I, even when I was a kid, I remember like looking around and like kids my age were like participating in this and I didn't get it. Like mm. I wanted to so bad. I thought something was wrong with me all growing up mm. and I wanted to so bad, like speak in tongues and do these things. As a matter of fact, I remember so many times like being at the altar, crying and praying and like getting mad at God because he wasn't giving me the Holy ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because they were like, just let it go. Just let your tongue go. Like, yeah, you're going to start speaking in tongues. And and it, like, I didn't I didn't understand it. Like, I wanted to so bad. So eventually I just like gave up and I got bitter and angry. And in my like my teenage years, I got like rebellious mm-hmm. and um, rebellious. I was a normal teenager. Right. Rebellious. Yeah, my parents sent me to boarding school when I was uh, 15 because I was a normal rebellious teenager. Like, not even rebellious. Like, I didn't drink. I smoked one cigarette, and they freaked out, and I kissed a few guys. But because I was a pastor's daughter, like, they lost their shit. Yeah, totally. There's a lot. Like, that's a really common thing. Yeah. It sucks. It really is. And you carry that shit with you for the rest of your life like we think like there's so many times where like I've throughout my 20s like I've thought that I was uh I had I don't know conquered that or like Mm. uh overcome it but it keeps coming back up in cycles and I Mm -hmm. keep having to like revisit it and redeal like deal with it over and over again I feel like that's really like um very good to do for your own self though being able to like revisit it and check in with yourself of like do I still have the same views last time I thought about this like how has this like evolved into something else like how have I taken this knowledge that I grew up with and like turned it into something that was like benefactory to like me and the people that are around me Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's where like religion can benefit us of like making sure we we revisit that and become like socially like aware to like how it affects our lives totally i yeah i i think that i don't well i don't like go around claiming that i'm like self-aware oh yeah i feel like that sounds like i don't know <laughs> i'm I basically that, gandhi <laughs> yeah 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 like but i feel like uh, a lot of my self-awareness comes from that like yeah. it comes from constantly reflecting god think about it like if your religion all growing up was to constantly repent and mm-hmm. keep note of all the sins that you committed throughout the day yeah. we truly believe that like if you didn't repent say i was at school and i just got really frustrated and i said fuck mm-hmm. which whatever and a word's a word. if god came back at that point or if i just happened to die i'd go to hell because i didn't repent for it and so you're constantly having to like make a mental note okay what did i do today what what um what how did I fuck up today? How right. did I Can't mess up? How, where did I go wrong? Where did my flesh overcome the spirit? Uh, where did fucking, I don't know. It's just, it, it forces you to be one self reflective, but two self um, destructive. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even if like, because I wasn't, I wasn't raised in that same uh, kind of culture of like having to like keep uh, notes of the sins that I did wrong. It was a uh, Baptist believe in like once saved, always saved. So like when you repent at five years old, when you don't know what you're doing and you're doing what everybody else around you is telling you to do, then like from that time until I'm like 107, like I'm still saved. So I don't right. have to like keep notes, but it also like from like the flip side of that, it makes me question if like there is even is a God that cares what I do. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like, oh, so I'm saved at five years old, so I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was in school, I had a friend, Kayla Bruce, who was Southern Baptist, and he told me that. And I was like, You are you got it, you got it all wrong, man. Like, this is not how it is. Like, so if you went and killed someone he's like yeah yeah i'm saved and i'm like dude your god sucks like your god your god's not the same god that i that i believe in like yeah like dude i think you're gonna go to hell man (laughs) i think you're gonna go to hell having these like philosophical conversations at the lunch table being like well i really think you're going to hell like this doesn't make any sense that's what we're trained up to believe when we're children we're trained Mm -hmm. to be these like bible warriors and we're not trained to be children like Mm -hmm. dissecting all of this like we're only taught one way to think and so when people like when your friend like questioned your way of like the way that you were raised and the way you were taught to believe you assume that he was wrong because he was questioning what you were raised to like defend Mm -hmm. right right it's really wild and you're also afraid like there's a lot of fear in that too. Like fear. you're you're constantly gonna like defend shit because you're afraid of being wrong. Yeah, right? because if you're wrong, then like your whole your whole thing crumbles because this is what you've been told your whole fucking life is this your whole one foundation thing. Is you gone. know, your parents are wrong. Their parents are wrong. Like right. the whole thing's done. It's all swept out from underneath your feet. Everything crumbles, and it's scary. It's scary, and I get that. Because you don't also... want to be wasting your life. You don't want to be like, oh, did I just like believe this for all of my life, and like when right. I could have been expanding my knowledge in different ways, mm. but I was trapped in this one mindset. Right. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> These when are I, the things I, that I, I think that on a daily I basis. That one right here yeah. in my chest. When I was nineteen and realized i was in a cult i was fucking angry right I feel like i missed out on childhood like the day that i walked out <clears throat> it's a kind of a long story but the day that i walked out of the church was the day like i truly felt like i had been born that day mm. like and i've only had like one light bulb moment in my life and that was that day and like i felt like that was the beginning of my life I feel like all that before that was like this weird dream. Somehow I remember it all though. Like, yeah. but um, like that's the day I really started to like live. And like, mm-hmm. I discovered the Beatles and, <sighs> Mead and yeah. LSD and uh, just girls mm-hmm. and uh, just fucking life, you know? And yeah. just sort of like being a person. There's Uh, so much guilt that's intertwined with religion that like when you're able to step outside that you feel so much freedom, like mm. a deep breath of like starting a new life of taking control of your own grief and your own like guilt and your own shame. It's like, I'm not allowing myself to feel this because somebody else is feeling that. It's like, we do feel those emotions for a reason. Like we should feel shame. We should feel guilt, but not about normal decisions. We should feel shame and guilt when we do something that's truly morally wrong 
That's what those emotions are like in us for. But when we're trained to believe that having sex or like looking at pornography or touching yourself or like anything like that is Mm -hmm. like wrong and it's disgusting, then how are you supposed to like grow past that? Yeah. And shaming. I mean, the, the amount of shame that that was put into me about my own body and in so many ways, you know, in that, that idea that sex is, is bad until marriage, you know, and that idea alone is just so fucked because, you know, I ended up getting married and it was not a happy marriage and it was not a relationship I really needed to be in, in the first place, but because of where I was at in my mental health, when I met that person, you know, you just kind of, sometimes you just kind of fall into life, you know? So that is like, the wildest thing to me is that journey of like coming out of that and realizing the reason I went and got married to someone that I probably shouldn't have even dated was because of that training, that idea that is put into us so young. And, and again, I don't know if that's a church thing or if it's like an America thing or like a world thing or what, but like the fact that like we're trained so well to like need that marriage, that like other half that, you know, that like, that just kind of happens. It's just like, yeah, totally. I've made the decision in my life um, not to get married. Um, and I reserve the right to claim that I'm still young and making uh, decisions and changes in my life as a part of growing. But I don't think that marriage is going to be a part of my life. Um, I really find um, marriage personally is a outdated uh, way to exchange property. And I'm not goddamn property. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I just... Um, I have get a lot of harassment from it. And it's crazy because my partner never gets any sort of questions about it. It's always like, why don't you guys get married? And it's like, if you believe that like men and women should get married one, why are you asking me? Shouldn't you be asking the man if that's your view? Like, right. why are you bringing that kind of guilt on me? But anyway, that's how I feel. Um, but where are you from? Like, where did you grow up in this Pentecostal church? Like you said, you're from the South. One place your whole life? No, uh, I lived in Arkansas, Memphis, and Kentucky. Most of my, most of my life was spent in Kentucky, or mm. most of my, my childhood or whatever was in Kentucky. And your parents, are they together still? Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. So when did you get into... Um, like music and like going down, uh, like living in Nashville. Mm, yeah. What brought you here? Uh, I think one cool thing about the church, like, well, there's many cool things about the church, like mm. the Pentecostal church. Um, one is the encouragement that you get to be uh, a musician or a singer. Like if you're, if you're a kid in the church, like you're going to play something. Yeah. And if they see you having drumsticks in your hand, they're going to have you play. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just how it's going to be. And it's, it's a really cool place because it's, everyone does music. Everyone does music in the church. Like everyone sings, everyone plays something. And um, everyone's just kind of growing and learning from each other. And, Mm. um, and also still to this day, like, some of my favorite music is still funny enough, like gospel music. Mm. Uh, black it's gospel. so quality. Like there's nothing wrong it's, with gospel music. 
I love yeah. my 90s Christian, my 90s hip hop, because like I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music, you know, so like Same. my music I grew up on. I mean, obviously I had the radio and whatnot. So I had, you know, some of the secular musics that were my well, favorite. But. Really, the only thing I listened to growing up was black gospel and mm. and then not realizing that like black gospel is pretty much all genres. It's like funk, hip hop, R&B, jazz, uh, you know, uh gosh blues it's it's everything and when i stopped going to church i stopped listening to gospel music because i wanted to do away with everything and then i remember like getting into stevie wonder getting into like uh james brown getting into uh i don't know gosh earth wind and fire and uh like uh, a lot of 90s r&b because i felt like i missed out on my you know childhood yeah and like tlc i got into like um <laughs> boys to men i got into uh a lot of like new jack swing stuff i got into like all this stuff and but i realized that like i had already heard it my whole life because i would, had already been listening to gospel music mm. it was really a easy changeover yeah it's very transferable but uh so that, that's how i got into music and then um uh was going to school going to college for business mm you know, kind of a throwaway degree. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you'll and then, uh, when, when I was 21 or 20, 21, uh, I got a call to go on tour with a black gospel artist. Whoa. Yeah. Big dreams. Oh, shit. Uh, I got on tour. Yeah. I went on tour with this black gospel artist and, um, that was like my first touring experience. I didn't know before that, that like there was a way that you could make money playing music. Like there was a whole reality outside of my small town that I had been in. Mm. Uh, and uh, I was on the road for 10 months and didn't come home for 10 months. Wow. And, How did the road change you? Uh, it just kind of opened me up to new ideas. Like I realized that there were people in the world who make money doing this. Yeah. And that they didn't have to go to school for business and yeah. they took a skill, a skill that they have and they enjoy. And that's what they did. Mm. And um, it was, it was amazing. It was really eye opening. but at the same time, I didn't believe in it. And mm. that's ultimately why I left is because I felt like I was living. So my whole, okay. So my whole life, I didn't believe in the church. Mm. And my whole life I played, I was like a, I, uh, like a two face. Like I, I was like, um, my whole life I was like living a lie. Mm. And like at school, I would go to school and like not talk about church, not be about church. And then I would go to church and like be all about that. And, mm. Or like when I was dating my pastor's daughter, having sex with her in the parking lot. <laughs> and then, during altar call going back in and getting on the drums and playing <laughs> acting and playing the part and putting the clocking back in yeah. and just like kind of like I and I was really afraid like it's kind of it was kind of frightening like how well I was playing mm -hmm. these two roles and when I was 19 I decided when I realized I was living a lie I decided to never do that again mm. and to never like be um, hypocritical, be contradictory, be uh, play this character. Yeah. 
And then when I was 21 or 22, when I did that tour, I found myself doing again, all because I wanted so desperately to play drums on tour. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, it's worth it. At least at this time, I'm getting something out of it. I get to tour, I get to play drums. And and after 10 months, I was like, man, I can't do this. Thing. And I actually admitted to uh, the guy, the, the head minister of the, of the music ministry, um, his name is Eddie James. And I admitted to him that I was lying to him. Mm-hmm. And he was amazing about it. And really? he was like, man, he just had a lot of respect for, you know, me admitting it. And he was like, man, I think, I think you should go out and you should find your own truth. Yeah. Maybe this isn't the truth for you, man. Yeah. Um, he was just so cool about it. Um, what a beautiful person to have in your life at that moment, you know, know. to like speak that like affirmation and to follow your heart. Yeah. yeah. Listen to your he, intuition. He gave me his blessings. It was so cool. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect it. I thought he was going to be really upset with me or I don't know, just be like, what the hell, Jeremy, you've yeah. been lying to me. Oh my God. But no, he was so cool about it. Um, and at that time, my brother at the time came down with cancer Mm. and my mom immediately, when we got the diagnosis, she had a stroke and I was on tour and I felt I was away. I felt like I needed to like be home. Mm. All this was happening at the same time. So I left, uh, tour and went back home and lived with my fucking parents. Mm. And I was so depressed. Yeah. Cause like you're on this high every day you're in a different place. You're on this high and you get yeah. to it and then you go back home, this place where all of this bullshit happened and all these yeah. like bad memories and all these things that you thought you had overcome and all this stuff. And now you're back home and you're having to face it again. Yeah. And it was just too much. So um, I ran mm. uh, and went to New Zealand. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Quite and a jump. Just, well, it was, it was a bad idea. It was really irrational. <clears throat> and I had all this money saved because I never spent it when I was on tour. Mm. Um, and I just blew it all. Uh, I just went to New Zealand and bought a plane ticket. The decision I was made within like a 30 seconds. I woke up one day and I'm crying in my bedroom and don't know what to do. I feel like there's no reason to live. I feel like and I had always struggled with suicide when I was a kid, by mm-hmm. the way. And I felt that coming back on. And and I was like, man, if there's anywhere in the world that I'd like to be right now, where would it be? Mm. I was like, I'd like to be on the opposite side. And I'd like it for it to be New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> so hey. uh, before before I changed my mind, I hurry up and jumped up and like bought a plane ticket before I would change my mind. Cause I know myself mm. and, uh, and just did it. And then while I was there, that's when I decided to move to Nashville. Wow. wow. Fuck out. Just go and do the thing, pursue my dreams, really do it, go for it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I did. Great. Oh, yeah. How many years have you been here? Eight years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's my fourth year. Uh, in November is how long I've been here, and Amanda's been here for 10 years. 11, 2009. Moved here. So, wow. what made you um, start getting into trespassing? Uh, yeah, what fell you into that? Was that just like a. Was it just like a random... hobby that turned into something you saw other people would be 
very rightly into? Uh, uh, I had always trespassed or explored abandoned building. I never really looked at it as trespassing. Like, yeah, sure, I would see a trespassing sign, but whatever. But I mean, like, what are they going to do? Yeah, what are they going to do? And um, <clears throat> and so, and like, uh, in Kentucky, there's nothing to do. There's fucking nothing to do but ride a four-wheeler or a dirt bike around. I grew up in southern Georgia. I get it. I get it. Yeah. You just like, there's nothing to do. There's trails. That's it. There's like deer. If you're into hunting, I don't know. I was never into hunting. Uh, so I would spend most of my time in the woods when I was a kid catching snakes and like turtles and mm -hmm. frogs and salamanders and stuff like that. But crawl dads. And crawled. Oh, I love. I actually had a pet crawdad when I was a kid uh, that we found in our front yard. I kept it for years. But um, yeah, I I just explored the woods when I was a kid, and there was this an abandoned coal mine behind my house, and I would go to that a lot. And mm. I was really into jogging when I was a teenager, so I would just like jog out there and run around. And the the owner kicked me off the property a few times. And so I was like, I wonder, it was kind of like a challenge because I was bored. I was like, I wonder how often I can be here without being kicked off now. Mm. And where, how can I sneak? And like, I like the way your mind thinks. Yeah, that was fun. Like you're always playing games with yourself. Like how much can I push it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a challenge to myself. It's not really to challenge anyone else. Yeah, um, and so, and that's what I did. And, um, and eventually my dad was a photographer in the army and he has a big camera collection and eventually he gave me a camera and that's around the time I started like taking pictures of what I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, and then I moved to Nashville. Um, uh, and I remember when I moved here, I heard there was an abandoned prison mm. and, uh, and I had found where it was at. And it's like this amazing, like castle looking magnificent structure. And, and it's so locked down and there's cameras everywhere. There's security. And I was like, man, how could I Navy seal this and just get the fuck inside this building and do it without getting caught? Like, how can I do this? How could I pull something like this off? Mm. This is like mission style shit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I did. And, and I, of course, took a camera with me, which I think was probably my iPhone at the time. And uh, I took a picture of it, put it on my Instagram. And, uh, and then I put like 10 other pictures of it because I was like so proud of what I did. Yeah. And I was like, man, you know, instead of just putting it on my personal feed, because I'm trying to do the drummer thing. Yeah. Maybe I should like do a separate Instagram and I'll call it, I don't know, Abandoned Nashville or something. And uh, if that name isn't already taken... And I did, and I posted these photos and crazy within like a couple of weeks, I had like 5,000 followers Wow! and I didn't know a thing about social media. I didn't know anything. I didn't know that this would be such a thing. Right. Um, and I was like, fuck, I think I'm on something, uh, man, I should take my photography seriously. Like I should like learn about this and <laughs> yeah. learn about what this thing does and um, and that's how I've been in Nashville happened. It was all wow. I mm -hmm. that's really incredible. Um, okay, so 
I have some prepared um, abandoned place questions for your yes or no. Um, (laughs) So there's this place in Shelby Bottoms. It looks like a military base. It's all white. Mm -hmm. It's got a barbed wire fence around it. Is it abandoned? Yes or no? Yes. That's the abandoned naval station. Mm. What did they use Uh, it for? It was used to be a school for the military, uh, for the Navy. They used to like, that's why it looks like a boat. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that it looks like a boat no. because there's actually a part in the in the uh, building that's set up to look to, to simulate a boat. That's really um, yeah. And so you walk in one of these rooms and it looks like you're in the deck of a boat. Um, and I guess it was for training uh, wow. purposes. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool spot. There's a lot of asbestos. Back in the day, it was like great. spotless, but I, parent, I heard that it's like super graffitied now and mm. windows are knocked out. And Yeah, know. there's a lot of broken windows. Every time I drive by, I go to Shelby Bottoms pretty often. Every time I drive or walk by that, I'm always like, I could slip into a window, but I always get scared because there's also like 5,000 people around me at all times at Shelby Bottoms. And yeah. there's also probably a couple of people inside, like living inside. So it's very true. <laughs> Teacher, I have a question. No, I do though. Have you guys been watching any TV in life and had that feeling like wear their fucking masks? Because I've been on that shit, like watching a show and I'm like, they're too close. Right. They go in for a hug and I'm like, oh, oh, weird. And then I just go through this spiral and like forget like what even is happening in the scene because I'm like thinking about, wow, I can't believe I thought that. And I'm like, wow, when will that go away? And, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> when will I stop thinking it's weird when people hug and don't know about it? I've been really thriving right. through this time. I hate hugs. So mm. um, this has them. been the time of my life of mm. never having to justify why I don't want a greeting hug or a goodbye yeah. hug. I will say it has been nice to like get detached from that guilt a little bit because I feel like I was raised in a hugging house I'm still a hugger whatever but I I have felt like this like obligation I guess to like hug everybody even when I don't know you kind of thing that's kind of how we met that's like how we met she <laughs> hugged me because she felt like she had to because my partner was there and she didn't want to make it seem that like she was just hugging my partner, which is like a really foreign concept now that we're like friends right. that you could think I thought that way. I'm yeah, very open. Where she's coming from though. Yeah. But yeah. like, yeah. I get it. But like, cause she how, had never met her. So how I, like, I am. Oh, it's just like, I don't give a be fuck. A like you guys can go hold hands and right. it's not going to bother me. And, um, but she like hugged me and I was like, I don't want to hug. And it was like, halfway like around me I was completely around her I just hadn't touched her and so she like went pat pat on my back she was was like like, it's okay pat pat and I was like okay okay and then I went back to the table and my partner was there and I said she hugged me okay and to be fair I I always come out looking like a dick here but like it wasn't a full body contact hug no it wasn't it was two fingers on her shoulder blades in the back because I was fully hugging her that much that I was like, I don't know what to do. So my instant response was like, just a little one, I guess. And And then I had to turn around and walk her to her table because I was working in a restaurant. And I was like, this is the 
greatest thing that's ever happened. How was your day? I love you guys. Like, what are you guys up to? And like, just so I went to her concert. I went to her concert because uh, my partner and um, her were in the same choir. And I walked up to her and I was like, do you want a hug? And like, she died laughing. And I was like, just a little one. Because <laughs> I was just thinking like, oh my God, this bitch thinks I'm the worst and like I was just like oh my god she thinks I've offended her or like whatever but that's what comes with like overthinking and feeling like you have to give into these expectations that people don't even really necessarily have and that's the whole problem yeah. exist in your being be okay with who you are you don't have to hug people if you don't want to hug people well wow. that's easier said than done come from someone who's like struggled to live in his own skin his whole life mm-hmm. like that shit's hard it is hard. I don't know. When you when you find out the secret to that, you you let me know. To not being hugged or not feeling guilty for it. Well, no, to being comfortable in your own skin. You were saying you were like, just be comfortable with who you are, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, harder said than done, absolutely. Harder 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 said than done. Harder done harder than done said. than said. Yeah, I think that like yeah it's easier said than done and this is i've been having a lot recently is like i feel like it's so like easy to Mm -hmm. make the decision Mm -hmm. to start thinking a different way but then actually like changing your habits to start thinking Mm -hmm. that way is hard because like making that decision of like this is wrong i'll stop and then like actually changing the way that you think about yourself and the way that you view yourself and the way that you're like able to live within your own mind Mm. is such a different practice than like the decision that you made. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that for me during COVID, it's been a lot of, um, well, isolation. Um, you know, I went through my divorce and all of that during quarantine. So like that was the beginning of my life alone was like complete isolation essentially besides you know seeing Beth and a few friends that were quarantined you know um and just really being stuck with my own being in the silence and like having to like hear my own self the million things that are going on inside of my head you know and like trying to relearn what my intuition sounds like and what my voice is because like I had melded myself in with another being for a really long time and like before that like it was church that was the thing that had really controlled my worldview my voice my perspective like like everything in my being was controlled by that and you know I think like learning those things of like one of the biggest things in my change I think last year was like realizing that intuition is something you have to learn you know it's like it's it's something that you have to train yourself to hear, you know? And I think coming from the church background where you're just trained to put it all outside of yourself and like pray to God and beg to God to give you peace and to give you oh, God, yeah. and all of this stuff yeah, and realizing that. like we have the control inside of us. And like, there are things within the church structure that can teach you to get to that same place. But I think that there are so many things to get you to that place that you get lost along the way. And then the guilt and the shame that comes along with that, that's what gets you lost. That like, 
keeps you from getting to this place of peace because you're so caught up in like, well, I got to look this way. I got to do this way. And I don't understand everything, but I can't ask the questions because it's not really accepted to, you know? And so being able to have that space in my own being to like ask those questions and figure out like, what is my thought? What is my feel? Like what is whatever? And what I was saying before is like last year, sometime I just realized like, I was reading a book about intuition and just like kind of clicked. Like I have to start training myself. I have to start taking that time alone away from people. And uh, we found my journal the other day and it was from like a little over a year ago. And I wrote on this page and I said, what brings me joy? And so like, sometimes I doodle, sometimes it's just words, whatever, but I just wrote all these things and it was like music, like playing it, listening to it, writing it, you know, like poetry, reading it, writing it, you know, just all these random things that bring me joy. And one of the big things on there was alone time. And I, (laughs) LOL, 2019, I asked for alone time, didn't know what I was asking for, but like, I learned how to be at peace in the alone time too. Like that was the biggest, hardest thing for me as well as like when you haven't been alone with your own thoughts, it's kind of scary because you, it's like when you're told to rely on someone else your whole life, this being that's greater than you and blah, 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 and you don't trust yourself, like it's so hard to release that and to be able to just like exist in your own being because that's counter to everything that was put in you, you know? So it's like that rewriting and the reprogramming of like everything that, you know, was kind of your core, your foundation. And that's like a lot of work. It's been an exhausting year of like diving in. For everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I talk about that a lot. Like you were talking about how like, if there's like a problem in your life, you hand it over to God. Yeah. You give it to Jesus or you give it to whatever you call him. It. Um, but that is like a very irresponsible way of going about things. You're taking the responsibility off yourself and you're like, well, like I there's so many examples. Like, <clears throat> like I remember growing up in church and like this lady, somebody want to get up somebody would get up and the uh, the pastor would be like does someone want to testify and some lady would get up and be like yeah brother brother whatever his fucking name was fuller that's his name uh brother fuller and she was like yeah brother fuller um you know this morning my car battery died and, and the devil tried to keep me from going to church and but but he didn't win because then i called sister so-and-so sister tammy and she gave me a ride to church and the devil didn't win and and, and the devil tried to the devil is this involved in our lives right it's just like dude maybe your car battery died because it was it was old it's fucking old like perhaps you should take responsibility for that yeah or like uh you know people getting sick and like well i'm just gonna hand it over to god and and uh let him and for him to heal me oh i know they're still at the buffet every fucking sunday they're they're eating unhealthy they're like not don't know why they're not here yeah they're they're 400 pounds you know what i mean it's like well this is no this is why you're not healthy this is Mm -hmm. why this is happening in your life um or you know there's always a demon for everything or there was in my church 
<laughs> like if you were a liar, you had a lion spirit. Ooh. Or if you were a rebel or rebellious, you had a rebellious spirit or you were a sexual deviant or yeah. something like there was never, it's never like, no, maybe I'm just like a teenager. And my hormones are raging. Right. And I'm fucking horny all the Let time. Let alone if you're queer. Like, I mean, I literally oh had God, someone yeah. like pray the demons of lesbianism out of me as a child. And that is so fucking wild. Like, yeah. I'm a child. I'm trying to figure out what I like want and need and like and whatever about my being. I'm just trying to figure it out. And for you to put that on a child of like, this is so bad that it's a demon. And to us as children you of the church, that's of huge. So like when you think about the, the heaviness of their words and the words that they choose to align, like that is intentional. And that's why I don't like the church. That's why I think it feels culty. When, when you look at it in that way of these words that they were the people maybe didn't mean them to be this way, but the way that the church has trained them in those words, you know, yeah. it's powerful and it's, yeah. it's potentially very dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend, his name is Travis and uh, he was my best friend growing up and he was gay. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, when he came out to the church, they didn't allow him to like, sing on the pulpit anymore uh -huh. he wasn't allowed to participate in any of like the youth group things like they completely just like ousted him yeah and all the while telling him he had a uh, homosexual demon inside of him mm -hmm. and they were constantly laying hands on him trying to pray it out of him mm -hmm. the kid thought that Mama. he was he thought that something was inside of him that was separate from him yeah exactly. that was causing him to be attracted to other guys and until he found out that like uh no this is just a part of who i am this is mm. this is perfectly fine this is perfectly normal yeah um this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years <laughs> this is not just humans that this happens in this is like there, this happens right. in the animal world like yeah. this is this is a thing that happens mm -hmm. and um but yeah once again it's like it's a very damaging thing for the church to be uh to point the blame <laughs> on a third thing called Satan or like a third yeah. thing called a demon or, or whatever, or even sometimes give praise to God for something that went right. Uh, gosh, there's so many times my parents are like, they say this thing. They're like, well, God did that. That wasn't, that wasn't an accident. Oh, I know that. it. My parents do that too. And they're like, well, that's such a God thing. And I'm like, or it was just random. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or or yeah like uh i I'll worked really all... hard and my shit got together because i put it together <laughs> no like <laughs> i know I, so i got this big gig in 2019 and uh i remember the biggest gig i've gotten while i've lived in nashville and i remember calling my my mom and dad because of course that's who i want to talk to first and mm. be like my god you're never gonna believe this i got this gig and I remember calling them and my mom was like, you know, you know why you got that gig is because we've been praying real hard uh, for you to get that. And I I'm mean, like, manifesting, they were putting energy out for you. I believe in that. <laughs> and they I'm didn't like, do it for you. No, they didn't do it for you. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, like but I've if worked your really theory, hard. mom, if your theory was true, then uh, I should just sit in my house and not do anything and yeah. just wait for people to knock on my door and give me gigs. Hmm. 
if that's what you're if if you think that that's how the world works then you're fucking delusional like i got this gig because i worked my ass off for it yeah i show up to every fucking gig knowing the songs know like on time like being a good guy like don't like to being a professional, like that's how I got this fucking gig. Yeah. And I got this gig by eating shit for eight years and finally getting this. Mm. Mom, don't give me that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like I didn't get, sorry. Anyway. Um... <laughs> don't apologize. Don't you ever apologize again. Earlier, if I ever hear the word sorry come out of your mouth, Jeremy Blaramy. No, but it's true because it, it feels infuriating because, okay, here's my struggle um, that I've come out of with, with that kind of, attitude is like it invalidates so much it invalidates your hard work it invalidates your emotional needs and your emotional wants and like your being and that i think is the problem with the language of the church is like even when it is not meaning to it is invalidating us to our core because it is training us to need something outside of ourselves when really what i think god and jesus was trying to tell us was hey you are enough. Like God is in you. I am like, I think that yeah. in if my, we search within ourselves, yeah, then it's within like, ourselves. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't have to become anything that we're not like, if like, I believe in, um, a theistic creation and that there's a God, it, it differs a lot from the way that I was grown up. Um, but I do think that there is a higher being out there that, um, doesn't necessarily care about our everyday decisions, but like, we have a desire to do good and that's already in us. Mm. Like we have a desire to like create things and that's already in us. So like God saying like, I'm in you, meaning like he gave us the qualities that we needed to succeed specifically the way that we are supposed to succeed, not in the way that other people think that we should. Right. And getting into like connecting to like the body and things like in yoga and finding my healing and just like trying to stretch and da, 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 da. and that kind of spiritual connection that I have found in my adult life has been wild because I feel like the church kind of scared you away from it it's like oh well those things are like mystic-y new agey you know whatever but like the meditation, I mean, that's essentially what prayer is. If you're just trying to be silent and breathe and hear God's voice, like that's essentially what you're doing is meditating and like putting your intentions out there, but to a being, you know, and like, but once you can put those intentions out there and know that like the power is there, like you are doing these things, you know, you worked hard. All that to say, you worked hard. Okay. Well, I put it all, also put it out in the universe, whatever that means. Uh, you know what I mean? Like if you focus on, I don't know, like I, I'm sure you guys have heard law of attraction. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Is, is that what you're referring to Beth? Like when you were saying, when you were like, um, well, you were talking about, you were like, I believe in a theistic. Um, I believe uh, to be very specific that um, when we were created by God, um, that he created us and then took a step back and like gave us the free will to make the decisions and do the stuff and um, that he's not unhappy with our decisions because he saved us already. So like, why would he be unhappy if he created something? It just never made sense to me that like he would hate people. Yeah. That's the one thing that didn't jive with me either. You know, it's just like, or like that he would hate my decisions or that he would do this because he gave me free will and I'm not hurting people. So why do you care? Mm. 
you know. Well, also this this God would also damn you to hell if you weren't lucky enough to be exposed to a religion called right baptist and yeah. if you didn't get in the right order too yeah. you know yeah. what about what about you know <laughs> the 70 percent or the 80 percent the rest of the world who who have never been exposed to that yeah yeah there's you parts know. of the world that have never been exposed to modern culture yet and like how are we supposed to say that like they're going straight to hell because mm. yeah. i think that the, because like it's religion is spirituality nature. in a box yeah you know i asked um i asked my dad that once when i was little i said like how are how are people who've never heard christ um supposed to go to heaven if they don't know who to like reach out to mm. and my dad said well nature cries out but isn't that what like different religions like accentuate is like praising nature and like yeah anyway, i could talk about this forever but i know right? well, it's also really interesting I, I think that all religions in some form or fashion are all pointing toward the same thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're yeah. so similar yeah. yeah that's what i have always vibed with it's like we're just talking about the same stuff guys yeah we're different just using thing. different language for it like yeah, you, call just it, you call it the universe i call mm -hmm. it god right somebody else calls it jesus someone else calls it reality or the collective consciousness like right. there's so many different names for it yeah um but yeah i feel like uh it's all pointed toward the same thing mm -hmm. where do i stand when it comes to this shit i don't know <laughs> that's okay you don't have to know no. yeah I think I it's really such a know. process you know and yeah. i think that that's the most beautiful part when like stepping outside of the church i felt kind of the same way like that peace and that like joy and whatever that i had been crying for at the altar my whole life you know that i had been feeling guilty and shameful for not being able to achieve like was achieved the moment that i released myself from those burdens of like trying to fit inside this box that this book written by men <laughs> and shaped yeah. by more men you know has been taught yeah. like to me it's like just trying to connecting with yourself isn't that the thing like you are the being that is most important in your life so if once you can like fucking dive in and figure out how to take care of that <laughs> yeah. but you know out everything everything is pointing outside of ourselves like you have to focus on everything outside of yourself to survive. Like, you know, how yeah. do I get a job? How do I get the education? How do I, you know, cause the world lives on this thing and da 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 da. 100%, like uh, everything is pointing toward, is toward an external thing. Mm -hmm. Like people don't, for the most part, people don't um, really sit with themselves. Mm -mm. Not I enough. That's one reason why this whole COVID thing has been so great. Mm -hmm. to be honest is because it's forcing us to sit with ourselves mm, and hopefully true. need that more you know because the more time you get alone the more time you realize you need alone you know to get that settled and like you're like oh shit i'm less of a bitch when i have this alone time you know, it's we like drinking it's like drinking water like um i used to hate drinking water growing up and i just hit this place in like college where i was like i need water at all times mm -hmm. and now like all i need is water like I like think about water, water tastes so good. And it's like, yeah. once you start spending alone time, you start realizing how much your body needs it. Mm -hmm. Once you start yeah. spending some intentional time with yourself, even if it's five minutes every day, like your body starts craving that mm -hmm. because 
it's so good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a fine line. Sometimes I isolate myself way too much. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's there's a fine line a balance. Sure. Like before COVID, I've always been very introverted mm-hmm. and spend about 97% of my time alone. Mm. Um, which is cool. But now that COVID has forced me to do this, I'm like, man, now I, I think for the first time in my life, I'm starting to like really, um, really see the value in relationships, like really see the value mm. in relationships. Cause I never really invested in relationships before this. Yeah. Um, but now I'm like saying yes to stuff, like hanging out with people or podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's us. <laughs> Like, truly, I don't know if I would have done any of this before COVID because I just would have been like, eh, whatever. Like, I don't know. I just, I think COVID's been really great for giving alone time. But I think to us introverts, like, I've, I've noticed that, like, we're really starting to come out of our shell during COVID. I feel like I, like, have more freedom because I'm an intense introvert and I'm really quiet on top of that. And I feel like I have, like, more freedom now to, like, choose where my energy goes to so I'm able to give more energy. Again, the obligation release, you know, of, like, (laughs) oh, I don't have to say yes to everything and I don't have to be around people that I don't want to. It's, like, kind of finding that filter of, like, who do I want to be around? We put a Brita filter on our lives. Yeah, what's more important, you know, quality over quantity for sure. Yeah. Britta, your life. Britta, your, Brita, life. your life. Britta, your life. That's what the podcast title is going to be called. Oh, that's it. Aha, uh-huh. Britta, your life. All right, I'm going yeah, to stop the recording. Stopping the recording. Okay. It was great having you on our show. Thank you um, so much. I almost yeah, love
Hold on. I'm going to go grab coffee. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. I've got to pee. You get sweaty when you podcast. Take some more. Okay. Hello. Brought us coffee. And milk. Are you dairy free? Yeah. Oh, Amanda is too. I am all about the dairy. Well, okay. Last night I made a uh, manchego cheese. I know. Wait, that's sheep, right? You're yeah, fucking... I think that's sheep or goat. I mean, I'll have cheese every now and then because cheese is so good. I have been into making charcuterie boards for myself. <gasps> oh, so sorry. I'm cold. I'm so sorry. Don't be so concerned. This, never mind. I'm not going to tell that story. Why not? Like when you stepped over me this morning. <laughs> oh, I don't care. Okay. This morning, I was no, laying sure. on the bed and I was like laying on my back <laughs> and I had my phone above me and I was just like looking up the ceiling. And Amanda went to go open up the window and she like stepped over me and I didn't have my glasses on and I'm really blind. And I was like, are you not wearing underwear? And like her entire her vagina was just like, there. I was taking my underwear <laughs> off. And then I like, so I, I do not take medication for my ADHD. I'm working on it. Maybe we'll do that one day. Um, <laughs> have you ever had to take medication for it before? No, I um, have my parents. I have too. To get me, oh, I forgot I had a microphone. My parents did not like the idea of medicine. Um, it was I've kind been of on Adderall for years. Really? Yeah, yeah, my parents took me off when I started stockpiling it. Ooh. Why? Because you're selling it to your friends? Um, I was thinking about it, but I had this weird goal of getting to 300 stockpiled pills. Did they steal them all? Uh, the they most, took them all. That's the most Adderall shit I've ever heard. In my life. <laughs> right. I need to get to 300 and then I'll start. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like when you, when you're on Adderall, like you just develop these weird, like weird habits. Like yeah. I would have to like do like, it was some OCD stuff. Like yeah, I would have to like touch things a certain way. Like I would have to like, um, when I couldn't sleep, I would have to like sit on my back a certain way. Cause when you take Adderall, you don't sleep as much and like, yep. cause it's speed that you're taking. Essentially. And so it's like, you just convince yourself that you have these things and you kind of feel like a superhero for a while. Cause like, you don't need sleep. Like you don't need as much like food in your body. Cause like your body doesn't metabolize as fast. And yep. Yep. I lost so much weight when I was on Adderall. Oh, me too. I it, never eat when I take Adderall. I've only taken it because I've like got it from friends or whatever, but like, it's like, I need it. So it's really amazing. And it's not just like, I'm getting fucking high on it, you know? Yeah. But you are getting high on it. I mean, I am, but it's like helping it's me. Crazy. When I tried cocaine for the first time. You were like, this is just Adderall. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I, I, I took a big bump of cocaine and I was like, I'm instantly on Adderall. I don't get this. I don't get the allure of cocaine at all. I've never been into like, like wanting that. Like, this I've is tried like elementary before. shit. Like this is elementary shit because you do cocaine and like 20 minutes later, 
it's gone and you want more. And, and I was like, so why expensive. don't people just do Adderall? Cause it lasts for long. You can get extended oh, release. Yeah. <laughs> gonna... This shit will last all day. And, yeah. And it's way better. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It, but yeah, to that point, you were definitely getting high when you were on Adderall. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's, I, I do respect my parents for not wanting to put me on that as a kid. And I get that. And I, I don't know that it would have like stopped my development or anything, but it would have changed my existence for sure. I think it made me more um, uh, like self-reliant when it came to like the things I needed to get done because like I did feel like I said, like more like a superhero. Mm -hmm. So I was able to be like, I can get all of this done because I don't need to sleep as much and I don't need to drink as much water because like you don't crave things when you're on it for a long amount of time. It's it's crazy and it's crazy that like our on parents put those on children. on us when we were like 10 but it's just the education you know but they didn't know that you know yeah. like, no they didn't know and i don't blame them for it but like it's wild all they saw was the results like they saw me going from failing mm -hmm. to making straight a's and they're right. like this is good this, this is great good. yeah but yeah. but they i mean they didn't understand that like it also turns you into a robot Mm -hmm. or uh it completely sucks your creativity dry oh um, so much and that's I think what I've always been afraid of and I think probably why my parents didn't want to put me on it because they were afraid because I was also very creative and like again my therapist I just started going to was like well it sounds like maybe you're just really creative and da -da -da. I'm like maybe it goes hand in hand for sure but it's also a thing that has really caused me to struggle in my life you know learning how to function when my neither of my parents had those attention span things so they're not gonna know how to teach me if they don't they know it. it yeah yeah because if it's like if I have it okay so if I think I have ADHD I have a kid I see the same symptoms that I have experienced in my life so I know it but it, you know if I'm not a doctor I'm not you know doing all these things I don't know how to see every symptom and understand everything and it was you know it was the 80s 90s we're still more educated on things at this point yeah, you know, medicine. That's what, kind of how I felt when I started. I have uh, diagnosed anxiety and depression, and I um, was really scared when I started like taking like serious medication for it to get on good place. Um, I felt like I was gonna lose who I was, and I still kind of struggle with that of being like, oh, I don't need to take it because I'm feeling fine today, mm -hmm. and it's not about like feeling fine. It's like because I feel like I'm not it. myself if I take it. It's just mm -hmm. about like taking care of myself. But that's something that I really did struggle with when I like first made the decision to like seek help um, was that I was going to lose parts of who I was because I knew the kind of help that I needed wasn't just going to be like staying on the my depression medicine. And um, so that was something that I had to get used to of like how my body changed and like I like process things slower than I used to because of that mm. which sucks so you think it, it does have a permanent effect on um i think my i take um uh, xanax um and so i process things a lot slower mm. um and so like it just takes me a while to like make a decision fully like i can say like yeah i'll do that but then in my head i'm like okay how is this going to play out like I have to like make sure it's safe and so like it just makes that process like a lot slower in my head okay. and I thought that I would lose a lot more of myself but I haven't that's good yeah I think that that was definitely a fear for me too 
that I think that's why it took me years to reach out. And, you know, for me, it would be like saying, I've got anxiety, I feel anxiety, I feel anxious. But really, that was me just like saying that because I felt my body felt kind of a certain way, but I really didn't understand anything about what that meant as far as my inside body, you like the chemicals of it all, the science or whatnots. And I just don't produce a lot of serotonin. Mm. Yeah. It's not uh, like for a long time, I thought it was like a trauma thing. And I thought that it was like um, something that like I was doing wrong or that I was making myself unhappy. And I went Mm -hmm. to a doctor that referred me to a shrink and he was like, oh, your brain is literally not producing the chemicals that it needs. Mm. It's like, oh, it makes it like less scary in that way that there's something that I've done wrong. It's just like having like a gluten intolerance. Right. You know, like I just yeah don't produce the same kind of chemicals that other people do. And that's fine. I just take medicine for it. Just like people take probiotics. Right. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of the podcast? Um, probably oversharing. No. It's a really good one. It's a new one here in Nashville. And it's about mental uh, health. Love that. And, um, do you know who the artist R. Lamar is? No, I've heard him though. Yeah. He was on the show because Arlamar and his song, he sings about mental health a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, he was on the show and they were talking about this. They were like, it's it's like a gluten intolerance or it's like a, just like a, just, he's like, you know, some people have back problems or some people have a weird rotator cuff injury or something. Yeah. And it was like, but we, and, and we're so accepting of that and we're so um, catering to that. Mm. Um, but when it comes to mental illness, people really don't it's like a whole other thing like people um they treat it so differently like you're something's wrong with you you're crazy or or something like mm-hmm. we're so obsessed with being normal yeah and there is no normal no i know knows. that's something i really do struggle with of like for myself i want a normal life because my life has been like anything but normal and so like i really strive but like what is normality like I live with three roommates. I mm. like have a like cat. I have a podcast and my life isn't anything what I thought it would be when I was young, but like and it won't be. Yeah, and I still think that there's some sort of way to achieve this like irrational normal in my life. Mm. And there's not. You're along for the ride. It's just like this yeah. training again like that we're put in our heads of like this you want the house, the white picket fence, all that bullshit. It's, it's put in our brains so much that like the whole life, you're just like, am I going to get there to this place that feels like this thing? I think in my head, yeah. you know, like a feeling that you've never really felt or like this picture that doesn't exist because yeah. that's what you're told yeah. is happiness is this 1950s bullshit. Yeah. But yeah. also gross. No, it's kind of fun and cute too. <laughs> but you can have it. You can have it. But also- I definitely have, have a domestic kink. I think that's my like thing is like aprons and like yeah. I'll throw a badass party where we should. have tea cakes. You definitely. You, then you should definitely have that. But <laughs> your life isn't going to be normal. All of our guests leave. <laughs> Take me down in my apron and my A-line skirt and pound me real hard. I've been talking about sex swings for a while because I have never used one, but I'm really into it. What is Um, it? The what? A sex swing. What's that? 
So it's like a, it's a swing for sex. It's like sex. a tool to like um, help you, you have mean? revolutionary sex. Yeah, like different positions. It's like, you know, you're- it's, um, Have you it's ever seen I, Sex in the City? Yeah, I've heard of the show, but- oh, okay, oh. so never mind. so it's just like a kid swing like with a little like you you thing but then it has like leg harnesses on either side like and so show you it's it's leathers and straps and chains potentially or it could be silks potentially you could use a yoga swing really the strappy yeah you just couldn't like put a lot of pressure on it for like well yeah you could Cause you're hanging upside down, full gravity, body weight stuff, you know. As long as you have like, you know, padding, three hundred pounds plus. So, do do both the people ride in the swing together? Okay. Sometimes. Are you suspended in the air having sex? Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, yes. I mean, I'm sure you totally can. Um, hold on, I'm just gonna. A sex swing. <laughs> Are you googling it? Please yeah. Google it because I'm trying to, but you probably won't see it as fun through our screens. I'm going to look it up too. I know. Let's all find different pictures. She's been trying to convince me to get one in my house that I'm trying to buy and which I'm doing this afternoon, looking at two homes. Oh yeah. Okay. Have you found it? I found it, but I, you definitely won't be able to see it. Well, this is a good example. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Yeah, like they're both strapped in there a little bit. It's all about the leverage and the, you know, the. <laughs> and you can also do it to yourself. Ooh, look at this one. This Whoa. one's really fun. This one has bars. It's like you... an outdoor swing. <laughs> you could do like, it outdoors. There, like, there is a, there's a vagina on one of these. Like, I didn't even know oh, that Google, you can even like too. look. Yeah, you can find vaginas and venuses. That yeah, guy's icon so <laughs> Just look at this guy's eyes. <laughs> Can you wait? Wait, let me see. Oh my god. <laughs> His eye contact, he's like, what are you doing, dude? I wonder what they told him. Like with like, his soft look. dick. Like, what's happening? Hey, give us bedroom eyes, but like before your boner happens. Yeah, before you're actually in. Okay, people. look at us like you're trying to make your boner happen. Uh, that was like his, he's trying to inflate he's like, it really yeah, hard. He's like, he's okay, like, look at me and make it happen. <laughs> and they took the picture before, but they only had enough film, like only one picture left. This oh. is fucking hilarious. I know. I think this is a good time this to really end the um, podcast, but we don't have to end the Zoom link. Um, Do you have anything that you feel like we've missed that you want to like talk about in your life journey or like your family structure or anything like that? Um. Oh, gosh. Hmm. I didn't really have any uh, thing in mind, any kind of goals of anything I wanted to talk about. Uh, really, I just... Just winging it, and I'm eating chocolate. Hell yeah, dude. That's <laughs> really kind of a thing. Jeremy Blairme is uh, dairy-free as well. Jeremy Blairme. Fucks yeah, dudes. Um, well, there's probably dairy in this chocolate. This is dark chocolate. It's like 88%. Um, usually dark chocolate doesn't have milk on it, depending on the percentage and depending on the brand. If it's Hershey's, it'll fucking have milk in it. This shit is dark as fuck. Hell yeah. <gasps> oh. Hey, one day when it's normal, I'll make you hot chocolate bomb. I made hot chocolate bomb, and it's dark as fuck. It's really? literally like dark chocolate, I love dark chocolate. with oh 
almond, uh, chocolate almond milk from Aldi. Okay. Mix, mix, mix. Freeze to chill. With marshmallows. Stuff with marshmallows in the middle. Top with chocolate. Freeze to chill. Harden. <laughs> Harden. <laughs> like that guy's eyes. Like that guy's eyes and not his dick. Oh, um, my God. 